Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You know... Steve Bursnick, when I'm done covering Tom Brady, whenever that is, whether it's him or me that retires first, because I'm not sure which it'll be, um, but I will remember games like this, maybe this game specifically, for just the mastery of the fourth quarter comeback and maybe the greatest thing that Tom Brady does, which is win games and finding ways to win games and willing his team and players around him to be better than they probably are. The Bucks beat the New Orleans Saints in a game they had no business winning, 17-16, to 16, did not sniff the end zone until three minutes remaining in the game. Tom Brady with a one-yard pass to rookie Kate Otten, and then the Bucks defense holds to get the ball back. Tom Brady with a six-yard touchdown pass, to rookie Rashad White with just three seconds left in the game. And they overcame a previous game-winning touchdown that was called back because, and yes, it was a holding penalty on Donovan Smith. This was the 44th fourth-quarter comeback by Tom Brady. That makes him the leader in NFL history, passing Peyton Manning. And not only that, it's the latest that his team has scored to win in the fourth quarter with just three seconds left. They will be writing books and history books, and he has so many milestones, and he continues to build on them at 45. But it's what he did in those final three minutes, Steve, that separates him from any player that has played this game. And it's baffling why last week they didn't take the timeout to give Tom Brady a chance to do yeah, what he right? did tonight. Gosh. I mean, it, it, just, it just shows you. I mean – when you have the greatest quarterback of all time, the greatest fourth quarter quarterback of all time, he's never out of a game, no matter mm-hmm. how poorly they played the whole game, which for 56 minutes, 56 and a half, whatever, yeah. it was a pretty bad game. Yeah. That offense looked bad, and he looked bad. Mm-hmm. How many guys are you going to overthrow, Tom? <laughs> I mean, you can get mad at your receivers all the time when they drop passes, but you overthrew open guys yeah, consistently down the field. Julio Jones, Mike Evans, you were overthrowing them all. Mm-hmm. But you get to crunch time, and something kicks in. Everybody else gets that pucker factor, and he doesn't. He's as cool as can be in those situations, and it's fun to watch. It really is amazing, and and you're right. Uh, Look, nothing is fixed, okay? Let's be clear. Nothing is fixed about this offense. It is still too methodical, um, lack of of big plays down the field. You mentioned the throws he missed, and he did. He had lots of opportunities to connect down the field and could not with Mike Evans, with Julio Jones, and others. And they can't get in the end zone. They take the opening kickoff, and they run – 
a, they have a 16-play drive. First of all, it's incredibly hard to keep the ball for 16 plays and about eight minutes on top of it because at some point you're going to have a penalty, you're going to have a fumble, you're going to have something go wrong. Most teams, you know, they like sustained drives. Very few want to do it for 16 plays. But they get down there and they get stopped at the three-yard line and it's fourth and goal at the free, three. And this is in keeping with everything I know about Todd Bowles. He could have set the tone and said, you know what, I trust my defense. If we don't score... We're going to keep them pinned back. We'll get the ball back right away, and we'll go down and score again. We need touchdowns to beat the Saints. This is a Saints defense, mind you, that had only allowed a field goal in their last two trips to Raymond James Stadium, a field goal in two games. And now you're down there saying to yourself, well, we know a field goal is not going to beat the Saints, but yet you, you don't go for it on fourth and three. You take the field goal, and that was it for the Bucks' offense until the drive – that eventually resulted in their first touchdown with three minutes to go. It was hard to watch. Um, it was everything we've seen all season. Lack of a running game, um, you know, short passes, you know, three and outs, all those things. And I credit the defense. And, look, Andy Dalton and the Saints aren't really humming right now. But Chris Olave made some big plays. Dalton's a capable quarterback. The fact of the matter is the defense – after giving up a touchdown uh, on a kind of a busted coverage to Taysom Hill, it was a 30-yard pass from Dalton. That was their only touchdown. They kept the Saints out of the end zone and kept the Bucks in the game. They forced three Will Lutz field goals. And if any of those end up in the end zone, the Bucks don't come back. They just don't. And, in fact, even after the Bucks did score their one touchdown, their first touchdown on a one-yard pass to Kate Otten following a pass interference penalty, uh, when Mike Evans was interfered with, they still had to make another stop. They they didn't have any margin for error, and they got the ball back to the offense. And so let's let's not kid ourselves. Byron Leftwich hasn't shown anything, uh, any consistency at all, with respect to this offense. It, it was it was bleak again. They did some good things on third down at times, but they never really threatened. And Todd Bowles continues to not attack. He continues to play conservative. They had the ball down by two scores at their own 40-yard line. And granted, it was fourth and long. However, there's only seven minutes or so to go in the game, and you need the ball back. You need two scores. He decides to punt. It goes in the end zone, and it's a net of about 20 yards. And this has kind of been who Bowles has been all year. You know, you mentioned the game last week. He was playing to get to overtime. He didn't want to make a mistake with a quarterback who doesn't make one. Now, he did throw an interception his third of the year to DeMario Davis, but once again, the defense held held him to a field goal. But in a, in a, in a last-minute, last-couple-minute situation like that, um, for them to punt the ball there, I don't know, it's just kind of weird. But, but something clicks in, and I think a lot of it is that Brady's able to go fast um, He's so comfortable. He's been there so many times in so many big games, bigger games, you know, Super Bowl games, in that he calms everybody around him. Here's what I like about it, Steve. The two guys he threw touchdown passes to, they're rookies, man. They're rookies. Kate Otten did this in their last home game in, what, week nine with a one-yard touchdown pass to win the game uh, with about eight seconds left or so. He goes back to Kate Otten after the interference penalty, and then, you know, after they, again, they get the touchdown called back to Chris Godwin, 
he literally went to the sideline and started screaming at Byron Leftwich, 2-9, 2-9. And that, of course, is the number of Rashad White, the rookie from Arizona State. Leonard Fournette had been in the game during those two drives. He wanted Rashad White. Not only did he want Rashad White, he knew the play that he was going to call. It was a little arrow route. He had man coverage to Mario Davis. He went outside, cut it back inside. Brady put the ball on him. Touchdown, game over. Boy, that, that's an incredible amount of confidence to show in a young player who had lost a fumble earlier in the game. It is, and it's showing the growth of the team. It's showing the growth of Tom. I mean, isn't the criticism that Leonard was playing because it was Tom who wanted him in there? Absolutely. And, and, and maybe that was true. Maybe maybe that was overblown some. But, look, Tom wants the player that's going to give him the best chance to win right now. And that's what he wanted there. He knew that Rashad White had a better shot at that play. And it was a, it was a the, the linebacker, Davis, got caught spying on Tom. Yep. And lost Rashad White. Just just yep. enough space. Because yep. he peeked in to see what Tom was doing. Mm-hmm. And, yep. and and they get the touchdown. And and you know, after Chris Godwin touchdown gets taken off the board because of the right. holding call, you're like, Oh, you gotta be kidding me. Oh, I know. Like this is how it's gonna end. You came right. back, you scored. But to get the to you know, get uh, what was it? It was uh it was Godwin on the sideline that got him down to the sixth. And then opened that play up. And Look, it's it's impressive to watch. It's fun to watch. Don't ever take these games for granted as a fan because no one's ever done it better than Tom, and I don't know if anyone ever will in the future. I can't imagine anybody will have the, the sort of longevity. I mean, we're talking to Rashad White. He goes, you got to understand, I was born in 1999. <laughs> <laughs> Brady started his NFL career in 2000. He was He was winning the Rose Bowl or something at Michigan in 99 and that's when Rashad White was born. So these guys grew up not only watching Tom Brady but playing him on Madden, right? Like mm-hmm. this is and even Kate Otten said after the game he goes it's surreal at times to be in the huddle and look up and see who you're with. Like it's surreal. He goes but then you realize I got to focus on my job and you just go out and do your job and of course Brady makes that easier because he's such a high level guy to execute. I want to talk about all about this game, about where they're at um, this was a huge game. They're now 6-6, six and six, uh, and we'll, we'll talk about the NFC South and just uh, what the Bucks' prospects are going forward. But first, I want to remind you guys of a way to save money on your electric bill. Listen to me now. It's May Electric Solar. They are a family-owned and operated business. They've been installing solar electric systems for 12 years. And There's, a, there's all these fly-by-night companies out there. The May Electric Solar is committed to you for the long term. They guarantee their workmanship with a 30-year labor and services warranty plus every installation, you get $750 worth of surge protection for all your appliances. That is the main difference. If you visit their Hudson showroom, May Electric displays all the products. They conduct on-site testing. You can see exactly what they're going to install, and they'll customize it to your needs. Plus, they don't use subcontractors, so you know who is doing the job. Those are Billy Mays guys up there on that roof. Start saving today. Call the solar energy experts, May Electric Solar, at 727-819-2862. You can schedule a free estimate. You can lower your electric bill all year long, preserve the quality of of your life and of your appliances. That's May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. This was as close to a must-win as I think there could be in this season, and here's, here's why. The math just wouldn't have worked all that well. 
the Bucks were going to lose this game. I mean, and again, I watched it with my own eyes. You probably everybody watched it on TV. They saw Tom Brady do incredible things again. What Tom Brady does, but in no way, shape, or form did did the Saints not play better during the game than the Bucks did. Um, right up until the last three minutes. However, they needed this so desperately because this moves them to six and six. Everybody else in the NFC South does not have more than four wins. And if you look at the upcoming schedule, yes, Jimmy Garoppolo is out for the season. Yes, they have Mr. Irrelevant, the last player taken in the draft at quarterback in, in Purdy. But they play at San Francisco against an elite defense. Look, the New Orleans Saints beat these guys up every time they play them. Like I said, they'd only given up a field goal in their last two games here. And that game in New Orleans earlier this year was 3-3 with eight minutes to go. The Bucs wound up getting turnovers, and they won 20-10. to 10. However, it's not going to be easy sledding in San Francisco for either side of the ball, for the defense or the offense. And then they come home to play, as we said the other day, the Cincinnati Bengals, who are arguably the hottest team not just in the AFC but in the league. So you're not going to hold the Bengals, right, uh, to three field goals when they get down there. Like, they're going to score touchdowns. You're going to hold them to 17 points or 16 points, as the case may be. This Bucks defense, even with the breakdowns, and they had a bunch, um, including the, the 30-yard pass to Taysom Hill. That was, that was a bust. I don't know, you know whether it was Keanu Neal. I don't know if it was Jamel Dean, uh, but that was a bust. They seem to have one or two of those every single game, and it costs them. Um, but you're going to have a tough time holding the Bengals down. And yet this gives them some breathing room because we know the NFC South is terrible. Right in terms of record, like everybody's beating them, they're beating up on each other. This gives the Bucks a sweep of the Saints. So no matter what they do, they got you know head to head on on those guys. But if the Saints had won, they would have just been a half a game along with Atlanta, who still lost on Sunday. Both teams would have been like a half a game out of first place, meaning that the Bucks would just barely be holding on to their lead with the Bucks having to go to San Francisco and play Cincinnati. By the time they got done in San Francisco, they could be not no longer the NFC uh, leader. And, of course, that comes with a home playoff game. And, and on top of that, you'd like to have a better seed um, than another division winner, so maybe you don't play the Dallas Cowboys in week one of the playoffs. But that's, that's for another, you know, another time down the road. But, but this game, it was critical, critical game because there's, there was only six left. Now there's only five. You're really running out of runway here. You, you've got to stack some wins, even if it's just to get to eight or nine. Um, that might be enough to do it in this division. And then you take your chances. But, again, I, I don't know that you're going to be able to score 16 or, or 17, rather, and, and beat many teams on your schedule that's left. You know, um, it would depend on how the defense plays. The Falcons struggle, certainly. Carolina has. Carolina has a win over the Bucs already. The last game of the season is in Atlanta. But this gives you some breathing room. And furthermore, if you remember, even though the Bucs barely beat the Rams and they did it on that one-yard pass to Kate Otten, and the Rams are not a very good team, to say the very least, but it gave them a little bit of momentum. Winning is momentum. It really, you know, at the end of the day, Steve, it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't matter how you do it, but when you win this way, when you win and, and, and the heartbeat is, is really elevated, 
that locker room was on fire after the game, right? Mm-hmm. You could feel the energy after, even after you know Todd Bowles talked and Tom Brady. We could go in there and you could still feel the vibe and the energy. It's confidence, man. Everybody says the culture, right? Change the culture. You know what the culture is? It's winning. If you win, the culture changes. And on a short week, that's huge. Right. I mean, a short right. week where you're even leaving a day early to go on the road because you're going to the West Coast. That's right. So it's already, as you're listening this Tuesday morning. Yep. And they're leaving Friday. Mm-hmm. You know, but that confidence that – and seeing two rookies have the two touchdowns at the end too. I mean, how much confidence Dude. is Kate Otten getting? How much confidence oh. is Rashad White getting? And that's only going to help this offense. And, and as – look, we said at the beginning, this offense isn't fixed. Mm-mm. It's not there yet. But can this help? Can this start? They should just run the two-minute offense the whole game. <laughs> I know, right? Well, you know, they've, they've, they've tried some tempo at times, and it hasn't always worked. And the problem with it is you run no time off the clock. You put your defense right back out there. And those guys have worn down and given up late scores. Today, they, they, they didn't give up those late scores. I mean, the Bucks had some mistakes, you know. Um, Brady threw an interception to Mario Davis. They held him to a field goal on the plus side of the field. And, and so, but if you keep going three and out, um, that, that really gives too many plays, too much time of possession to the other team. And some of these more explosive offenses can may, may really hurt you, you know. And, uh, you know, in the Bucks, I mean, look, they didn't have Antoine Winfield Jr. Again, injuries are all part of the game. We didn't hear Josh Wells' name except for one play where he had a penalty. But I'll say this, you know, and Brady was getting rid of it like a hot potato. Um, they kept him clean for the most part. He had a couple of sacks um, overall. But, you know, they were able to survive without Tristan Wirfs. And one of the biggest hugs I saw off the field was Tom Brady hugging Tristan Wirfs. And I'm sure he said, you know, hey, we kind of need you back, big guy. Um, but, but the offensive line, it, it held up. You know, uh, Brady goes, and again, this is not a recipe. He leads the NFL in passing attempts. That's not going to change. 54 passing attempts in this game, 36 completions, 281 yards. But he was only sacked one time. And he had two touchdowns, of course, and the one interception. So pretty good numbers. And, and at the end of the game, he was phenomenal. I mean, his, his numbers in his last two drives were, were exemplary. But you're right. I, I prefer they, you know, to me, it seems like they need energy early in games, a little up-tempo, maybe a little no-huddle, maybe dictate whether, whether the defenses can, you know, bring an extra defensive back on the field or a defensive lineman, switch those guys out. I just think you need a little bit – more oomph to start games. And again, 16-play drive, eight minutes off the clock, you're wearing down the other team. You get to the three-yard line, but you can't get it in. I wonder how and, the game would have changed had they got a touchdown on that drive. Right, right. How their confidence would have changed, how yeah, uh, just, uh, you know, New Orleans may have not demoralized for the first drive of a game, but sure, you've owned this team defensively, and you just let them go 16 plays and score a touchdown on you? Right. You know, Andrew, yeah, without, you, you don't have Lattimore back there, et cetera. Had mm-hmm. you scored on that, I think I think holding them to a field goal there gave the Saints confidence and momentum. Oh, I think it's a win. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a win. Even though eight minutes went off the clock, it's it's sixteen plays, and they didn't. They got three, and we know something about the Saints is that they allow three. You know, they 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 basically did it the last two times they were here. They had a shutout the last time a year ago, nine to nothing, and then prior to that, what was like thirty thirty eight to three. And so these games have not even been close at home. 
So, you know, like I, I give plenty of credit, um, you know, to the Saints for, you know, for playing well enough to have the lead. I mean, look, Andy Dalton wasn't great. He was 20 of 28, which is a really good percentage, but he threw for just 229 yards. The biggest key to me was they shut down their running game. You know, mm-hmm. this defense did a nice job. They, they um, only allowed 66 yards on 25 carries. That's just a 2.6-yard average. And the longest run, Steve, was seven yards. That's really the key to stopping the, the New Orleans Saints. I thought Andy Dalton was fantastic. And how many drop balls did his receivers Oh, my God. Let, let's talk about that because, I mean, they could have had two or three more touchdowns, right? Mm-hmm. Chris Olave dropped one. Jarvis Landry dropped one. Um, Taysom Hill should have had the last one. Hill should have had the last one. Absolutely. And it's a different I mean, story. It's, it's a great a, play by Keon O'Neal. Right. But, it's a good hit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. But hang on to the ball. Mm-hmm. You're going to get hit, right? Make that combat catch, and it's a, and the game's over. You know? Um, but I still think that, like, Bowles needs to be a little more aggressive and 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 not just puts he puts so much on his defense. I know he trusts them and he knows they're gonna he thinks they're gonna get the ball back and all of that. Um but honest to goodness, when he punted from the forty yard line and it went in the end zone and you're a plus twenty and that's it, um, down by two a couple scores, it just it was hard to watch. It was like he's gonna lose this game because he put too much faith in the other side of the ball. And um and they came through for him and it got away with it. But my, oh, my, um, to, to see what this 49, 49, I've already got him 49, this 45, sorry, Tom, Euro quarterback can do with his arm. And, and, and he did miss players. But, you know, it was funny, before the game, so Steve Young's here for the Monday night crew, and he went up to Brady and says, I just saw you rip a 30-yard comebacker like you were 35, 25 years old. It's not going to be him physically that stops him from playing. And it was really interesting. Like, Young did like an essay um, prior to the start of the Monday night game. I don't know if you saw it. If you didn't, go back and watch. It's probably, I'm sure it's online somewhere, where he talked about how hard it is for quarterbacks to walk away. And they showed Elway and they showed, um, you know, Steve Young, uh, Peyton Manning, all with their farewell speeches, you know. And he goes, and for most of us, it's because we can't do it anymore, you know. That was a case with Elway. That was a case, you know, that physically they've been too beat up, too many concussions, whatever. They want to play, and they know how to play. And so in some cases, like Elway's, they've just won a Super Bowl or Peyton Manning. But the time has come where they, they just can't do it physically. And so they know, probably prior to their announcement, but they know that that, that day is, is near. But it was funny because what Steve Young said, he goes, listen, in the end, he's like, you know, nothing you will do will ever be as, as all-consuming, will ever be as invigorating, will ever be as rewarding for the rest of your life as what you're walking away from. And so he said, you know, it's, it's like death. And who wants to run towards death? I mean, he literally said that. Like, you feel the emotion in his voice. Like, hey, man. And he goes, and, that, and that's sort of why Tom Brady got a whiff of that for 40 days and whatever else happened in his personal life and decided, I'm not done. Because the difference is he can still play. The difference is is that he has the physical talent to go with 23 years of experience 
to do what he did on this stage against players that are literally not as old as his career, right, that he's, that he's playing against and still beating and doing it in grand fashion in the last few minutes. Simply remarkable and, and, and clutch, right? Like, like I said, where are they if they lose this game, man? I mean, they could be looking at they could be staring at a four game losing streak, you know. And I don't know if they're going to beat San Francisco, but I give them a fighter, I give them a puncher's chance with a rookie quarterback as good as San Francisco's defense is. It's just it, it just never ceases to amaze me. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today. All right. Well, we'll talk more about the Bucks obviously when Todd Bowles has his press conference in what just a few hours from now. I think at eight forty-five in the morning as we do this podcast. Uh, yeah, literally uh, six some six and a half hours away. Um, there, you know, USF held their press conference with their new head coach Alex Alex Golish. Is it? It's Golish, mm-hmm. right? Isn't it right? Yep. Pronounce it right. You know, I want to say I want to say you know Mike Golick Jr. I don't know why I want to say that, but it's Alex Golish, Russian immigrant. He told his he kind of told his story, and without even knowing, and this is just sort of way it goes. Without even knowing, I said to Joey Knight, I go, let me guess. He said, they're going to recruit harder than anybody in the country. Check. He goes, yeah, it's true. Did you hear that? Did you, did you hear that? I said, nope. I said, and, and let me give you one other thing you probably said. Um, this isn't about me. After today, this is all about you guys. He goes, you're kidding. That's incredible. How did you know that? And I'm like, I didn't listen to it. And I didn't read about it, but you also said he'll work harder than anyone else. <laughs> sure, he did. Absolutely, he did. Yes, and he's there, and he's there for them, right? He's there for mm-hmm. the kids. I would imagine this is not about him. Again, I'm not gonna. I don't. I hope Alex Golish ends up being a, a superstar, and his next job is at I don't know freaking Alabama when Nick Saban retires. I don't know. But it but here's the thing. Winning the press conference, if that's what it took, then Greg Schiano would have been a great NFL coach. Mm-hmm. Because he came in right out of central casting with the barrel chest and, you know, toes on the line, blowing the whistle. He was going to straighten them up, boy. But on game day, mm, just didn't happen. And and of course he didn't have really the right assemblage of players either, which is going to be Golish's biggest task is trying to get people to USF. Um, but, boy, you sure like the guy. You know, like just mm-hmm. watching him, you love his story. Um, you love the fact that he, is, he has been to a lot of places and that, and that he, he kind of has earned this. He wouldn't say UCF, which was interesting. It was kind of like, you know, that school up north or whatever, sort of the Ohio State-Michigan thing. Um, do we have to cross off every C? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. But he's a likable dude. And mm-hmm. 
Uh, and he has a great story. And, you know, at the end of the day, if they could have found somebody with head coaching experience that had a little better resume, that had a little more name cachet, that they thought was the right guy at this time, they would have hired him. He simply isn't out there. For the amount of money they're paying, um, for what they perceive their, where they perceive their program to be, and all those things, they went the only way they could go. And I think given those sort of limitations, they weren't going to get Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders told him that the, the first time he talked to him, you can't afford me, man. You know, I'm going to get my bag wherever I go, but I'm not, it's not going to be the bag that you're offering me. So they went about their business, and I, I don't know. I saw, I saw Alec Golish's name in a few, you know, long candidate lists for USF, certainly not near the top. But if this is the dude, this is the dude. And all you can do is wish him well. The transfer portal is open. Let's see who he can bring in here. We're going to find out really soon if he can recruit, and then we're going to find out, you know, how good of a of a coach he is. But that was – it was sort of hard to watch because I felt like there's so many similarities to every coach we've seen, especially the last one, right, Jeff Scott. Mm-hmm. Another guy that was sort of a co-coordinator, big program at Clemson, consensus oh yeah you made a great hire and then nothing happened after that so it is what it is but um but i i I think he's a really likable guy and 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 i always judge it this way would i want my son to play for him yeah i kind of would i i think he's a pause you know what i like about him is the positivity i mean i got you know when you watch the Deion sanders thing and and Deion, you know he's prime time right it's all it's going to always be about Deion. Okay, mm-hmm. and Dion has he has all the swag in the world. That's what made him a great player. That's what helped him at Jackson State. But I don't like guys that are all about themselves. You know, college football is full. You know, it's a coach's league, right? Because they get new players every four years. And they move on. It's not about the players. It's about the coaches in college football. And the NFL, I think, is about players. I think it's about Tom Brady. I think it's about Patrick Mahomes. I think it's about Josh Allen. Um, but in the college level, it's all about the coaches. I like would like to play for a guy who doesn't think it's about him. I really would. Speaking of college, congratulations on being a finalist for the Heisman Trophy. I saw the headlines. Stroud, a finalist for the Heisman. What? Really? Well, your, name's, awesome. your namesake in Columbus, at least. C- yes, of course. Um, <laughs> C.J. Stroud. And unfortunately... I'm saddened in a way because even though they're, you know, I assume that vote will be taken before we get to the national semifinals or the finals. No, right? it's, it's already done. The vote's it's already done. done. Yeah. That's the, the problem. The award will be either this Saturday. I think it's this Saturday after the Army-Navy game, I think. Yeah. And, and look, it's, it's going to go to, uh, to Williams uh, at USC, their quarterback. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I'm disappointed because I really wanted to see. I, I was going to cut out that headline across the nation, Stroud wins Heisman. And <laughs> that will never happen now. And I, I don't know what I would have done with it. Maybe put it up in my bonus room in some respects. I can't bring myself to buy an Ohio State jersey that says Stroud on it, even though my number in college was seven, like his. I didn't play football, but whatever. Um, well, maybe the Bucks wife... will draft him, and then you can have a Bucks jersey <laughs> sure. with his name oh, on it. Oh, yeah, so. that would be awesome. Yeah, that will look really good. I mean, the Bucks may what be looking homer. for a quarterback this draft. So, If they do draft him, and they won't, but if they did – I've thought about this. I'd have to. Would I have to write in every column or every story? Stroud, no relation. 
you know, <laughs> just curious. Um, but I, I can't, I can't get that jersey because my wife went to Wisconsin. She would kill me. They hate the Buckeyes. Everybody, in, it'd be like Michigan, right? It'd be like if she went to the same thing, or worse, if she went to Michigan. But no one in the Big Ten likes Ohio State <laughs> unless you went to Ohio State. So you can't get an Ohio State jersey no matter whose name is on it. Um, but, yeah, interesting list of finalists. I mean, I don't disagree with any of them, actually. Um, but I, I, you know, I, think it's, I think it's pretty much decided at this point. Yeah, I think I it's Williams. I, I think Bennett may take second, actually. Stetson Bennett, yeah. Uh, Although he, if he wins it, he would be the second oldest ever to win the Heisman. Well, I mean, the guy's twenty five years old, yeah. man. I mean, I think he's older than half the starting quarterbacks in the NFL. I'm not sure, but I think what Joe uh, Burrow's twenty five. Yeah, I think you're right, and he's what? This is his third year in the league. Second, third, third yes, third, right? Yeah, he's already suffered an ACL, and yeah, that's that's really old for college football. But hey. You know, late bloomers, good for him. He could win back-to-back natties. I mean, it doesn't matter, you know. Do you know who was older than Stetson Bennett to win the Heisman? Older, a quarterback? No, um, to w- anybody to win the Heisman. It was a quarterback, but yes. It was a quarterback. Yes. Um, older than Stetson Bennett to win a Heisman at quarterback. I'm going to give you one. Yeah. You ready? Yeah. Roger Staubach. Nope. Dang. I, I was so confident because he had to do four years yeah. in the Navy. Yeah. It was Chris Wanky. Chris Wanky was old. Yeah. He was like 28, I think. Yeah, that's a good one, man. <laughs> it really is. Or you could have said any BYU quarterback because they go on these <laughs> missions for, you know, for years and years. Um, yeah, that's good. Well, we'll see what happens to the Heisman. But um, in the meantime, I, I'm going to get out. We got to get out of here. You got to go to bed. I've, I've put all the energy I can into this thing, but they're turning off the lights here at Raymond James Stadiums where – Tom Brady has done it again, and Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, their tongues were on the ground. They just, you know, as as Troy Aikman said, you know, as far as, like, who's the greatest quarterback of all time, he goes, that discussion will never be had again. It is over. No one can touch him. He's it. Uh, you know, that that's the end of it, and he just proved it again with a 17-16 to 16 win, coming back two touchdowns in the final three minutes, touchdown pass to Rashad White with three Seconds left in the game. He becomes the uh, greatest comeback quarterback of all time. His 44th, fourth quarter comeback, passing Peyton Manning. Just unbelievable. So we'll have Todd Bowles. He's going to go in a couple hours. We'll tell you what he has to say uh, about injuries, about the Bucks match in San Francisco, which is now taking on a much more uh, flavorful uh, tone, even though Jimmy Garoppolo is hurt. Uh, these are two teams that are leading their division. So really important game, and we'll get you ready for that next week as well as uh you know all the college football news and anything else that happens uh keep it right here on sports day tampa bay check us out on tampabay.com and on the tampa bay times thanks for listening for steve versnick i'm rick stroud the tampa bay times have a great day everybody deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.